0: Would you like to pay less for your car insurance? At Inovo Insurance, you can enjoy savings of up, up to 25% off on your car insurance. Call our award-winning team of experts now on 0818 22400. 400. Don't renew until you call Innovo Insurance. Inovu Insurance Limited trading as Innovo Insurance is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Minimum premium of 344 euro applies. Acceptance criteria and terms and conditions apply. CBS Radio Mystery Theatre presents... <coughs> Men. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. There's a phrase going around nowadays used promiscuously by various people, meaningful relationship. Relationship means connection. Meaningful doesn't mean anything at all. It's not even in the dictionary. Meaningless is there, but not meaningful. It's a word devised out of desperation not because our richly endowed language has need of it, but to avoid facing the possibility that all life threatens to become meaningless.
1: I used to be alive, you know. You did? I'm pretty sure I was. When was that? Oh, uh... Quite a long time ago.
2: What was it like? I,
1: uh... I can't seem to remember. (laughs)
0: Mystery drama, Answer Me, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Elspeth Eric and stars Larry Haynes. It is sponsored in part by True Value Hardware Stores and Buick Motor Division. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Do you look at the people you pass on the street? Or do you simply walk on by? Do you smile sometimes? Or stop to pet their dogs? Do you say nice day or some weather? If you do, you've made a connection. A relationship. It may end right there, but you've made it. The story we're about to bring you begins with a lone man walking down a street in
1: a large western city. I'm only pretending to be alive. My nice gray slacks and my nice blue jacket and my nice black loafers, I trudge down this strange street. Now and then I turn my head to look at my reflection in a store window and I think I recognize myself. I'm not positive. Anyone who'd speak firmly enough could persuade me otherwise. I stop at every red light and wait patiently for it to turn green. I look like and I behave like... Your average dutiful citizen. But I'm really dead, and I know it. It's part of the pretense that makes me turn and enter the bar. A grubby little place with no customers, just a large, empty faced man performing the usual bartending chores, polishing the glasses, wiping the counter. I sit down on one of the stools and sneak a look in the big mirror. Nothing out of the way there. I look like any man who stopped off for a drink at 11 o'clock in the morning. Yes, sir. What'll it be? Uh, uh, a scotch? Any special brand? No, no, whatever. Any
2: kind. Soda? Water? Uh, I guess water. Mix it for you? No, please. Hey, uh.
1: Thanks very much. Thank you. That's okay. Now the tears start. Even before I lift the glass to my lips, a flow of tears rolling down my cheeks as I sit there, silent, helpless. I hadn't known till now how complete, how profound is my despair. You don't want that drink? Oh, yes, yes, I want it. You don't have to drink it, you know. Well, I have to do something. You're not used to liquor, are you? Oh, I've, uh, I've done some drinking.
2: Not much. I can tell. Why don't you go on home?
1: No good. Your wife will be worried. My wife's dead. Oh? That's not what you think. She died five years ago. Still? Three weeks after we were married. She came down with polio. Stuff. You know, she lived for ten years, and then she died. It was a hell of a ten years, if you really want to know. I can imagine.
2: Oh, there's a uh, customer. Hey there, Mr. Vincent. He's one of my regulars. Stops in for a beer. That's all. How's everything with you, Mr. Vincent?
1: The drink tastes awful, but I try to finish it. Thoughts of Helen dart in and out of my brain, little flashes of piercing light gone before I can identify them face when I met her. So young, just 18. Helen's face twisted with pain later on. I hear her screaming at me and me screaming back. But that was all of a long time ago. And now I'm sitting in this bar with this drink. Pretending to be
2: alive. He just has one beer and leaves. He won't bother. Well,
1: I'm not much good with people these days.
2: Want me to leave you
1: alone? No, 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 I, I appreciate... Uh... You see, I wrote, I wrote a book. You did? Yeah, it was published, actually, yes.
2: I yeah, wish I could write. But it wasn't reviewed. You mean like in the papers?
1: No place. No, nobody paid any attention to it. It was ignored. Well, how can they do that? Well, there's only so much space and hundreds of books. wasn't considered significant enough to give it any space. Well, uh, you shouldn't take it personally. Well, what other way is there to take it? Well, I don't know. I'll tell you what.
2: What? It's just a suggestion. Why don't you get the heck out of town? Go where? Who cares? Any place. Mexico, Hawaii, Canada. Just go. And do what? How should I know? Just go. It's something to do. Better than sitting in some bar, the state you're in. Mexico, huh? Sure. Why not? You got some money? Yeah, some. So Go. But watch out for the tequila down there.
1: And that's how I find myself on this road headed south. I decided I'd walk to Mexico. The idea of sitting still on the plane was impossible. I don't own a car. And the effort of putting one foot after the other makes me feel somewhere near, alive. Every so often the truck driver stops and offers me a ride, but I always refuse politely. And still, I feel a little grateful that someone does me that slight courtesy, pays me that small attention. I don't feel quite
3: so dead. How far are you going? What? You going far? Oh, uh, Mexico. Oh, that's quite a ways from here. I'm not going that far, but I could take you through now. Uh, no, thanks. You're tired, aren't you? No, I'm all
1: right.
3: You're sure you won't ride? Well, tonight?
1: thanks for the offer,
3: though. You're not just tired. You're frightened. Well, I... You're I, desperate. I... I can see it in your face. No, no, you're I... You're haunted.
1: She drives off. I stare after her. I say the words over to myself. Frightened. Desperate. Haunted. Oh, it's true, it's true. It's all true. Why haven't I been able to say it to myself? Why did it have to be this woman who... I'm running down the road fast as I can, breathing hard, trying to call out to her. Now, all at once, I see a car. It's stopped by the side of the road, and I see her get out. She's a woman about my age, dressed in yellow, looking quizzically at me as I get near her. Change your
3: mind? Uh, uh, if it's all right. Sure, get in. Come on, shove over. Yeah.
1: Very kind of you to stop.
3: I knew you'd reconsider.
1: Oh, how did you know?
3: The way one does sometimes.
1: Only you don't know me.
3: You feel like telling me your name? Paul. Mine's Sylvia. That's enough conversation for now. It's hard for you, isn't it?
1: Well, you're the first person I've talked to in a month except for a bartender.
3: You don't seem to me to be a drinking man.
1: Well, he's the only bartender I've ever talked to.
3: I won't ask you any more questions. Thank you. Instead, I'll tell you all about myself, all right? Yeah, all right. Uh, My name is Sylvia. I'm 38. And I have a daughter named Susan. She's 18. We live in the Free Life Commune, not far from here. We moved in there when my husband left me 10 years ago. I write poetry when it occurs to me to do so. Otherwise, I just live.
1: I listen to her talk. I don't know precisely what she's saying, but the sound of her voice is oddly comforting. It's warming, reassuring. It's the sound of life, the sound of people, a person, anyway. I begin to drink in the words as though my soul has been parched and she is pouring water into it and making it grow, expand. I can hardly believe it. I don't want to believe it. But I am coming back to life
3: after a long time away. Well, this is it. This is where I live. Up the hill there. That's where the Free Life Commune is.
1: Oh. Yeah, well, I'll get out. Oh,
3: no, no, no. Don't do that. Come with me. See what it's like. Well, there'll uh, be a lot of people. Oh, you would have to meet them. My daughter and I have a cabin. We can have something to eat there. We don't have to go to the communal hall. Susan won't expect you to talk if you don't feel like it. Lots of times she doesn't feel like it, either. Lots of times I don't. Really? We're all looking for the free life. That's why it's called the free life commune. Something inside me has surrendered.
1: And the woman Sylvia knows it. I haven't given consent, but I have consented. And nothing in me resists as she turns the car into the side road. And goes up the hill. And turns again down another dirt road, then another, and then another. And stops in front of a cabin built, not too expertly, of logs. She says nothing, and neither do I, as we go inside. Hungry? Uh, no.
3: I, um, I know you're not a drinking man, but I think a glass of wine might be a good thing. Yeah, it might. And I want you to meet my daughter. Susan. Right. We'll all have a glass of wine together. C- uh, can I help? No, will you just sit there. A uh, white wine or red? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay red. There we are.
4: You wanted me, Mother?
3: Yes, dear. I uh, I want you to meet somebody. This is Paul. Paul, this is Susan. Hello, Paul. Susan. We haven't got a thing in this house to munch on. Uh, Paul's not used to drinking, and if he doesn't get something into his stomach, he... Oh, You want me to run down to the commissary? Oh, no, no. You stay here. I'll go. I want to get something for dinner anyway. We're eating in the cabin, just the three of us. I'll Be right back.
4: Um, you want to pour the wine? No, you do it. Okay.
1: You're very pretty. Thank you. You're 18, your mother said.
4: Uh Uh-huh. Here's your wine. It's, uh, cheap, but good.
1: Thank you. I stare at her. She's sipping the wine, not looking at me. Something is bothering me, but I don't know what it is. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't know who these women are. I don't... What is it? I don't know. What is it? Something's wrong. Something is strange. Something is incomprehensible. My hand that holds the glass begins to tremble. I know. I know.
4: You all right, Bob? What? You're not drinking your wine. Oh. oh. What are you thinking?
1: Uh how did you get here?
4: <laughs> I live here. No, no,
1: no, no. I, I I, mean just now. I mean when you showed up just now. How did you get here?
4: Well, through the woods. There's a path. No,
1: no, no. I mean, how did you happen to walk in at just that minute when you did?
4: My mother called No, me. no,
1: no. She didn't. She didn't. I was here. She didn't call you. She just said she wanted me to meet you. And the next thing I knew you walked in. She she didn't call you at all.
4: Oh, you mean she didn't say, Susan, come here? She didn't
1: say anything. I know I was here.
4: Oh, Mother never calls me that way. Well, there's
1: no other way. What other way is there?
4: She thinks it and I receive it.
1: Are you are you talking about telepathy? Telepathic communication? I've heard of that,
4: but well, if you have to give things names, I, I I guess that's what it is. Come on, drink your wine. Mother's on her way back.
0: Have you ever felt that your telephone was going to ring a split second before it actually rang? It's happened to me and to some others I know. Was this because you ardently wished that it would ring? Or was it because some faint electrical impulse in the wires reached you? Or was it because the caller was thinking intently about you as he finished dialing your number. Frankly, I don't know. Perhaps it was for none of these reasons. I'll return to you shortly with Act Two. Our protagonist's name is Paul. preyed upon by a grief too deep for comprehension, obsessed with the feeling that he is only pretending to be alive, he has decided to follow the advice of a Chance met bartender and hike to Mexico. On his way there, he has accepted a ride from a woman called Sylvia, who lives with her daughter Susan in the Free Life Commune. Paul has passively consented to accompany Sylvia to her cabin, where, a few minutes later, young Susan has made her appearance. How did you
1: get here just when you did?
4: Mother called No, me. she didn't.
1: I was here. She didn't call you at all.
4: You mean she didn't say, Susan, come here? She never calls me that way. She thinks it, and I receive it.
1: I'm staring at her. Young, slim. Her blue denim pants clinging to her legs. Her big, bulky sweater swallowing me up a part of her body. A blonde hair falling over her shoulders.
4: Come on, Paul. Drink up. It's not very strong wine. Cheers.
1: Yeah, yeah, cheers. Uh... how, How do you know your mother's on her way back?
4: Because she is. Well, she'll be here in less than a minute.
1: Well, did she... Did she send you some kind of message? Uh, telepathically, I mean?
4: She must have. Otherwise, how would I know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, well. Uh, suppose she doesn't come back in less than a minute.
4: But she will. She's here now. No, she's not. She... All I could get for dinner was chipped beef. All right. Oh, fine.
3: Paul? Uh, what? Do you like chipped beef on toast? And we have some apples and cheese, I think. Uh, anything, yes.
4: Huh. Is this my wine? Oh, I'll pour you some, Mother. That's Paul. Uh, Sylvia... Yes,
1: sir. When you were at the commissary, Susan and I were talking, I couldn't understand why she came back when you hadn't called her. Not not really called her out loud. Oh, that. Yeah, and, and she said there was some kind of telepathy between your telepathic communication. Susan said
4: that? I didn't say that. He said that. Oh, uh, yeah,
1: yes, that's true. But there has to be some kind of explanation, doesn't there? And, and uh... Later on, she said you were on your way back from the commissary. You'd be here in less than a minute. And in less than a minute, you walked in. Well, what of it? You, well, you, uh... You send... You send mental messages to each other, is that it? Oh, something like that, I guess. Yeah, well, how how was how that done? I don't... Well, you must know, you must know.
3: Why must I know? Well, because... H- haven't you thought about it? Don't you wonder about it? Look... Well, oh, when Susan's father up and left us, and I had to go to work. Susan wasn't able to look after herself, and I couldn't afford someone to look after her, so I, I had to do it myself. I couldn't take her to the office with me, or the bookstore, or the library, wherever I happened to be working. So I had to look after her some other way. And that's how it came about. Whenever I felt she was doing wrong or was in some kind of danger, I... I sent her a message. Uh, you told her what to do. <laughs> Mostly, what not to do. And she always knew. I mean, she always got your message. No, not at first. But when I got home at night, I had to scold her, or punish her in some way. And and pretty soon, it, it started to work, and it's worked ever since. Hey, let's have some more wine. What do you say? And let's open up a jar of olives, the good Spanish kind. Okay?
1: It's happening I'm starting to come alive It's slow, it's vague Life appears in patches Some dim, others coming through clearly It's like a gradually developing picture in a dark room I feel my body, I hear my voice I want to say things and I don't care if I say them badly I go back, I repeat myself I don't mind, they don't mind I talk about Helen. I talk about her illness and her death. I talk about my book. I talk about writing it, and I talk about watching it fail. I talk about everything. I hope now and then I'm not boring them, but I don't really care. Just as long as they let me talk. And there was never a word about it in the book review sessions, you see first, I couldn't believe it, but then I had to believe it, and that was that.
4: Well, still in all, you wrote it. Yes, yes, but... Uh... Well, that's more than most people do. Yes, I know. Was it... was it hard?
1: Yeah, sometimes. Was it fun? Sometimes, yes, sometimes. Oh,
4: well, then. It,
1: and it was published. It even sold a few copies.
4: That's nice.
1: I'm coming more and more alive. I'm starting to remember all the movement of my life. And all the pauses, too. All that I've lived through, all the things that haven't quite killed me. Susan is just the age Helen was when I married her. They look nothing alike, but... I don't know what it is, youth maybe, but more than that, much more than that. The feeling that there are possibilities. Sylvia, so, do you mind if Susan and I take a walk someplace, Susan, do you mind?
4: Huh. I don't mind. And leave me to do the dishes? I cook the dinner.
3: Big deal. What, uh, just a short walk? <laughs> I should think you've had enough walking by now. Yeah, I've forgotten all about that.
4: I could show Paul the wood. You know,
1: it's so long since I've taken a walk with somebody. Uh, may- 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 maybe you'd like to
3: come, too, huh? Uh, no. No, you two run along. Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like I'm 16 and out on my first date. I swing out freely instead of plodding along grimly the way I had on the highway. The smell of pine trees fills my nostrils and the pine needles are soft beneath my feet. I forget about Susan. I'm so full of myself and the great world outside me. I'm living.
4: I'm living. Want to sit down for a minute? Do you? (laughs) Yes. Well, then, let's sit down. Um, there's a rabid woodchuck in these woods somewhere. Rabid? Crazy. Berserk. Freaked out completely.
1: You don't say.
4: You're not afraid? Well,
1: I don't know. I never knew till this second that woodchucks went mad. You know, it's interesting. It's really interesting. Now, it's so long since I have been interested in anything. Here I am, fascinated by the idea of a woodchuck going off his rocker.
4: You could write a story about it. I might.
1: I might just do that. Or maybe I'll write about you.
4: Well, you don't know anything about when me. Well, I know
1: that your father went off and left you.
4: Yes, that happened. And
1: you and your mother developed this this telepathic communication so that she could take care of you.
4: Oh, we've always had that. You
1: mean even before your father... Uh...
4: Before he split? Hmm? Oh, yes. As far back as I can remember.
1: Did it make you very unhappy when he
4: spread? I guess it did. It It was ten years ago. I, I don't really remember too well. All I remember is...
1: What? What, what? what is it you remember?
4: I don't like to talk about no, it. No,
1: please, please talk about it. You know, I've been talking my head off all evening. You and your mother listened. You were so kind. It was so good for me, and now... I want to listen to you. What? What is it you remember?
4: What I remember is how sad he looked. Sad?
1: What was he sad about? I don't know. What, was he unhappy with your
4: mother? I don't know. It was ten years ago. I don't remember. They got along. I, I guess they were happy. Sometimes I... Sometimes I think that he... That he what? That he was un. Happy with me? Oh
1: no, no! Come on, now. He could, he couldn't have been unhappy with you. Why? You must have been the sweetest little daughter a man could want. No, that that couldn't have been it. Oh,
4: it's just a feeling. Maybe he wanted me to be a boy. No, I don't think so. You don't? No,
1: men men talk a lot about wanting sons, but I think most of that is just uh, just talk. What men like is girls. <laughs> really? Oh, you know what I mean.
4: Of course I know what you mean.
1: You're a very remarkable girl, Susan.
4: No, I'm not.
1: Yes, you seem that way to me right this minute.
4: Oh, wait till morning. I'll seem absolutely ordinary, which I am. And that reminds me. Are you going to stay all night?
1: Well, I don't know. Is there a motel or something near here?
4: Oh, you could sleep in the cabin. We could put a sleeping bag down on the living room floor. Could you do that? Of course. Why not?
1: Well, it's getting dark. Maybe we'd better be getting back, huh?
4: Oh, I guess so.
1: Here, give me a
3: hand. I'll pull you up.
4: Okay. <clears> there. <throat>
1: Susan.
4: Yes,
3: Paul?
1: I'm going to kiss you. What? I want very much. I need very much to kiss you.
4: You do? Mm. No, no. Uh, we have to go back. Let me go. We have to get back to the cabin. C- come on, hurry up.
1: Susan, Susan, what is it? Hurry. What is it? What did I do? Susan?
4: Hurry, hurry. Hurry. <laughs>
0: Relief from deep depression is greater than relief from the grimmest physical pain, and a thousand times harder to achieve. Indeed, it cannot be achieved at all if, by achievement, we mean conscious effort, contrived artifice. It comes, or seems to come, by chance, by a miracle, as though from heaven. I shall return shortly with Act Three. The leading character in the course of an aimless pilgrimage to Mexico has been befriended by two women, mother and daughter. In the course of a few hours, he has told them a good portion of his life history and his peace of mind is being restored. But resting and talking in the pine woods to the daughter, 18-year-old Susan, he has attempted to kiss her with a startling consequence. I want...
1: I need to kiss you,
4: Let me go. We have to go back. Susan, what is it? Oh,
1: hurry. What is it? What did I do? Hurry, hurry. I get back to the cabin and everything is just the way it was before. Sylvia gets out a sleeping bag, puts it on the floor, and I crawl into it. It's very quiet. I hear a soft wind through the trees. The movements of small forest creatures. The shrilling of cicadas. I'm warm and comfortable and content. But in the crevice of my mind is a doubt, a perplexity. Why had young Susan broken away from me so abruptly? She knew, surely she knew, that I meant her no harm. I'd had no sinister intent. I'd wanted to kiss her from an impulse of pure gratitude and affection because she was young and uncomplicated. And I'd begun untangling the snarled threads of my life for me. Wondering, wistfully wondering, i grew grow drowsy. It's
3: morning. Time to get up.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: We, uh... We get up early here. Yeah, that's fine with me. Did you sleep well?
1: Yeah, like a puppy. Uh, where's Susan?
3: I sent her into town to errands.
1: Oh, when will she be back?
3: <laughs> I don't know exactly.
1: Oh. Sylvia, uh, Sylvia, something happened last night when Susan and I were in the woods. We were... We were talking. And it was so peaceful there, and she was uh, so sweet to me. I told her about a lot of things, even more than I told you both at dinner. She, she seemed to understand everything I said and a lot of things I didn't say.
3: Susan's a very sweet girl. I've seen to
1: that. Yeah, well, all of a sudden, I, I wanted to kiss her. No, nothing, you know, nothing lascivious. I, I wasn't trying to seduce her. I wouldn't try anything like that. I, I just wanted to kiss her because I, I felt so, uh, so fond of her, you see. Such, such an affection for her. And, and it's been so long since I felt anything like that. And at first I thought she understood. She let me put my arm around her, and, and, and she was smiling at me, and all of a sudden... All of a sudden what? Well, she broke away from me, and she started to run. She did? Yeah, she said we have to go back, and, and she ran for the cabin. Well, you know... Well, why would
3: she do that? Don't ask me. Well, you did. must have some
1: idea. She's your daughter.
3: After all, Paul, you're old enough to be her father, aren't you? Well, I, I guess I am, yeah, even so. Now, some people think everybody that lives in a commune is, is, you know, loose, uh, free, and easy. That's not so. This is a group of serious artists who are dedicated... Well, I never even thought of anything
1: like that. I, I, I never thought Susan was... was uh, well, I, I just never wanted anything like that. and She knew I didn't. I'm sure she did.
3: Well, maybe she did, maybe she didn't. You never know with young girls, do you? Oh. Uh, how, how far is it? Into town? I don't know. Quite a ways. Yeah, well,
1: maybe I'll walk into town, try to find her.
3: Well, you couldn't do that. She had a lot of errands. You, you wouldn't know where to look.
1: Well, anyway, I think I'll try. Oh. No, what? Well, well, the car's out there. Well, what did she do, walk to town? She must have come back. So
3: soon? Well, evidently, since the car's out front. I'm going to look for her. You don't know where she is. Well, I'll, I'll
1: look. Maybe maybe the communal hall.
3: That's full of people. They'll all be having breakfast there.
1: Well, if she's not there, maybe she's in the woods.
3: Paul!
1: Why can't I simply wait in the cabin for her to come back? Why do I think it's so important to find her and find her now? What am I going to say when I see her? How am I going to explain? The son is up full, the scent of pines is in the air, the birds are full-throated. There are people going about their business, whatever it is in this place. I wander again into the woods where Susan and I walked last night, and then...
4: Paul!
1: Susan, Susan, I've been looking for you. Your mother said you'd gone into town, but the car was parked outside, so I know... I knew you must be back.
4: Oh, I just went down the road to get some
1: gasoline. Well, I, I, I looked all over for you. I even went up to the hall where everybody was having breakfast.
4: Oh, did they give you something to eat? No,
1: no. Nobody paid any attention to me. You
4: must be hungry. No, I don't
1: care about that. I want to talk to you about last night. Well, what about it? Well, when I... Uh, when I wanted to kiss you... Uh, Susan, I didn't mean anything. Anything except that you've done so much for me. You don't even know what you've done for me. You and your mother... I I was a desperate man, and you brought me back to life. You made it possible for me to go on living. I don't know how or why or... Maybe I'll never know. But... Oh, my dear, I love you for it. From my heart, I love you. You understand, don't you? I think I do. I take her sweet face between my hands. I look into her clear eyes and bend my head down toward hers. A flood of tenderness surges through me. Such a devout desire to express my relief and my thankfulness. I feel that I've entered into some sort of state of grace. And my heart is overflowing. My face
4: comes closer to hers. The woodshark! Oh, woodchuck. What, what? Oh, the rabbit woodchuck
1: behind you. Run! Run, Paul, run! Susan! She's out of my arms, running like a wild thing through the woods. While I stand, dumbstruck and miserable. I look behind me. I look all around me. There's no woodchuck, rabbit, or otherwise. My head is swirling with an indefinable sensation. I go back to the cabin. I get there just in time to see the car drive off with Susan at the wheel. Hardly knowing what I'm prepared to say or do, I open the door of the cabin and go
3: inside. Back so soon? Yeah. Where did you go? Oh, just here and there. Did you find Susan? Oh, yes. Everything all right? I don't know. She's very young, Paul. She's 18. That's young.
1: Yeah, you're probably right. I don't know. Maybe, maybe she misunderstood me. Probably. Yeah, but you, uh, you don't misunderstand me, do you, Sylvia?
3: In what way? Well,
1: in a in a man and woman way.
3: What are you talking about? I'm talking about making love to you. You don't mean that. Oh, yes, I'm, I'm thinking
1: about it, and so are you. I am not. Of course you are. How long ago did your husband leave you? Ten years? You've lived ten years with a growing child and no man. Why wouldn't you be thinking
3: I don't like this conversation. Let's change the subject. No,
1: no, no, I won't. You know, you've done a wonderful thing for me, Sylvia, letting me stay here, letting me talk, unburden myself. I've carried such a weight on my heart for so long, and now it's been lifted. You're carrying a burden, too, and I want to lift that if I can. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to come over and put my arm around you and kiss you. Not the way I try to kiss your daughter, the way a man kisses a woman. Now look at me. Paul, Close I... your eyes. Yes. That was it, wasn't it? That was what you wanted? I... I don't know. Of course you know, of course you do. Maybe I should. You know, last night, when Susan and I were in the woods, it was you who called her back, wasn't it? I... Yeah, and this morning, too, wasn't it? Yes. Tell me, have you always dragged her back to you every time a man got too close to her? Yes. You've always had this control over her, haven't you? Since
3: the day she was born. Sylvia, you have to let go. I can't. Of course you can. What would I do without my child? What else is
1: there? Oh, you'll think of something, a woman like you. You'll think of something. She's still sitting there as I leave. I can't read the expression on her strong and lovely face, but behind that furrowed brow, I know a powerful mind is at work you'll be all right I say to myself and I start down the highway by which I'd arrived at the free life commune only this time I'm walking north back to where I started from my steps are quicker now I feel I have a purpose though I don't yet know what that purpose is and then I hear
4: Paul Susan you were leaving without saying goodbye to me? Well, I
1: uh, just thought it was time for me to go. I,
4: I'm sorry I acted the way I did in the woods.
1: You didn't really see a rabbit woodchuck, did you?
4: I thought I did. No, there wasn't any
1: woodchuck. Maybe there never has been.
4: Well, anyway, I, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry you're leaving.
1: Well, it's time. Pa. hmm
4: Do you know what I'd like
1: What would you like, Susan?
4: I'd like to kiss you goodbye. Would you? Come closer to the car. Stand right there. Like that. I want to put my arms around you and hug you and give you a big kiss. All right. There. I love you a lot, you know. I love you a lot too
1: I watch her drive off down the highway I feel a few sudden tears in my eyes Dear girl, dear little girl Life will start to open up for her I think to myself And involuntarily a tiny prayer Finds its way to my lips Be kind to her Kind. The car is out of sight now, and I resume my walk back to the city. It occurs to me that the only person I really want to see is the man who sent me off on my aimless pilgrimage. I want to tell him that I never reached Mexico, but I reached myself. I find the little side street without any trouble, and the obscure little bar. It's a feeling of coming home to something or someone. As I open the door and go in, it's as though I'd never left. He's cleaning glasses and wiping the bar, and the place is empty. I take the same stool as before.
2: Yes, sir. What do you have? Do
1: you remember me by any chance? I don't know. You look familiar. Yeah, well, I, I was in here about a week ago. You told me to go to Mexico. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, did you go? Uh, Part way. Well, how was it? Oh, it was wonderful. It was uh,
2: miraculous. I wanted to tell you about it. Well, that's a good thing you came in today because I'm closing up this place tomorrow. Oh, is business bad? Well, business is all right. No, I just made up my mind to do something. Maybe I'm crazy, but well, I'm going to do it anyway. Well, uh, do what? Do you mind telling me? I'm going to set out and look for my family. You see, I left them ten years ago. Just cut out. No explanation, no nothing. Well, you must have had a reason. I did. But it wasn't anything I could talk about. You see, my wife, she made me feel like... like an outsider, like I wasn't necessary. Not even important. Like I was, uh, in a way, really. Oh. Oh, that must have been rocket. We have a daughter, Susan. She and my wife were close, very close. Closer than any two people ever were. And I was just, uh... Hanging around. You know what I mean? It's hard to understand if you haven't been through it. Yo, yeah, well, what made you decide to go looking for them? I don't know. The feeling I got all of a sudden that uh, things might be different. Because I love Susan and I love Sylvia, too. That's my wife. Yo.
1: Yeah. Uh, where are you gonna look?
2: Lord knows. Maybe I'll head for Mexico the way you did.
1: Well, uh,. If you do, there's there's a place between here and there. It's called the Free Life Commune. It's a good place to stop. I have to get a job now. Find an apartment, fix it up. Get my typewriter out of hock and start a new book. You could say that nothing's changed. And you'd be right. Everything.
0: He's right, you know. To change oneself is everything. But oh, how hard it is. To change one's address, clothes, occupation, or friends, all these things are easy next to changing one's inner self with all its complexities and contradictions. That is a difficult thing, but there is always a chance that, difficult as it is, it is not impossible. I'll be back shortly. I suppose this has been a story about mind control. What else could it be? Not that I know how one mind controls another or even influences it. But no one can deny that all our impulses, as well as our inhibitions, all our aggressions, as well as our retreats, all our resistances, as well as our surrenders, all take one form or another, depending on the waves of thought sent to us by all the people we have loved and who have loved us. No man is an island, the poet said. And no mind is an island, either. Our cast included Larry Haynes, Joan Lovejoy, Rosemary Rice, and Dan Occo. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.